On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by cardiologist Dr. Paddy Barrett, chatting all things cardiovascular disease. The way I look at this is that the the two statistics that everyone should really be aware of is cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death globally and in most developed nations, but it's also the most preventable. 90% of it can be prevented at an early stage if you just follow the right steps and formula. So I look at it as a, a scary opportunity. As ever available on all podcast platforms. Yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranla, called butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm Not Here to Hurt You, a brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now wherever you get your podcasts. This is an Irish independent podcast. If we change the cultural environment and the, the, the propaganda around the sport by having the right brands to give the best insight, well then that will give a, a better spin-off because everything's, every, everything about football now is negative. I'd like to be stimulated by punditry and understand because they're experts right and maybe because I played only recently I'm probably like because I've just played that game I'm probably the level of my knowledge is quite high in, in these areas so I'm probably not being stimulated are for that reason if I keep giving out about them I won't get on Hello and welcome to this week's Throwing with Dublin legend Philly McMahon. I'm Sinead Kassan and I'm also joined by the Irish independence Conor McKeown. Now in this week's episode we talk tactics and how Gaelic football still has a long way to go. Philly and Conor, there's loads to talk about in this episode. Let's start with Armagh's goal against Donegal last weekend that came straight from the Throwing. Reno Neal into Rory Grugan. Goal. Is this something we're going to see more of? I think if you look at all the tropes and this year's campaign and you were looking at the the stats of how many of these fast transitional kind of set piece. You call it set piece, like mm. you know, in, in terms of uh, it's a break in in the player to start of the game. I'd still think that there's the conversion rate is very low, mm. you know. But when it does work, it gives you a little bit of a a kickstart into the game. But the, the other side of it is Donegal bounced back really quickly after, which was a good thing. Um, so it's like that in football, you know, it's, especially when you see the Irish team and, and they score so early and you're kind of going, oh, I wish we didn't score so early. Like, But yeah. um, when it happens for you in, a, in the second half of a game, which they did for us with Owen Morton against Mayo, it propelled us... Oh, sorry, Kerry. It propelled us forward, yeah. So you ran straight up the middle. It propelled us forward massively in that third quarter. So I would say the probability of it working is quite low, but when it works... Uh, people would argue that the probability is quite high because you're not set, you're not structured. Um, if you're playing a team that's very defensive, that they don't have that, they don't have the time to get back, and there's an opportunity there. But kicking that ball in, it's not guaranteed. Like mm. it's just not guaranteed to get the ball, get it into your hands, and score a goal. But there is a better chance of scoring a goal in that situation. Obviously, then as the game goes on, if the team's uh, defensively structured. Yeah, just on the own Merchant one, because that's been referenced a lot in terms of the set piece and the throne, but it was mm. David Moran who palmed down the ball directly into own Merchant. Mm. Was that even a set piece no, move? No, it wasn't. Yeah. No, it wasn't. I'd say most of the teams that are thinking, right, where, where's our opportunities to get um, goal chances? 
because we're playing a team that has a really good set structure defensively. You could say the trope first and second, uh, first before the game uh, starts, uh, sorry, the start of the game and the, the, definitely the half time one. And then you have the opposition kickouts where you know they're not set because they're moving for the kickout. Um, and then that's that's really it. That's the, the only ones that are taken. You can take for granted. Maybe from free as you can you can orchestrate where you want to dictate the movement of the opposition. But uh, so so what I'm saying is, when the ball's thrown up, if you get the ball like O'Neill did, uh, it, it's kick 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 it in straight away. Like what Morton was running, mm. you know. So we didn't say let's get Morton running straight out the defence. That wasn't yeah. The tourney, wasn't, it, it is yeah. not a unique opportunity for teams to do something like that, isn't it, Connor? Yeah. Well, the, you know, there's no team that sets up with six backs the way mm. you have to set up at the throw But by the rules of the game, you have to set up like that. So I suppose, like, if you take the two Dublin goals in consecutive halves in All-Ireland Final because the following year Dean Rock got a goal straight off the throwing so in the first instance you had David Moran trying to catch Owen Merchant in the second instance you had Aidan O'Shea trying to catch James McCarthy so you're kind of already creating an overlap by virtue of the fact that you've won the ball and the guy in possession is quicker than the person that's going to chase him um, so Philly says it wasn't a set piece fair enough but like the movement of everybody in the pitch you could definitely tell that players were tuned into the opportunity that had just arisen by virtue of the fact that they won it in the middle of the pitch they were breaking through I think the most rehearsed looking set piece goal that Dublin ever scored in one of those matches was Jack McCaffrey's goal in the first game off the kick out because if you, like, I think Dublin had lost a few of the kick outs at the start just before that and then they went long to Brian Howard and it was a great leap but if, if you just look at the move that came afterwards I think it was Dean Rock that took possession of the ball and then he played a skip pass over Jack McCaffrey's head to Niall Scully. And I think the two Kerry defenders went towards Scully and the pass to McCaffrey was absolutely perfect. So, yeah, they're the two opportunities, I think, that there are. The kick, the kick outs mm. um, and the throw-ins. But as Philly says, like it's predicated on you winning it. So, yeah. like, you don't know what's going to happen. But the last thing you want to do is find yourself in a situation where you win the ball in midfield off a, off a throw-in or a kick-out. And you don't have an idea of what you want to do after that. And it's very obvious now with teams that when they do win it, the movement is very, very orchestrated. How much would you have worked on those set pieces? So, so you can't, <clears throat> so the Jack McCaffrey goal, you can't actually train for like mm. for the whole event from start to finish. Mm. You can't, just, you'd be stupid to do that. You're stupid to kind of go, well, Brian Howard's going to catch this, and then Dean's going to get it, and then Scully's going to get it, and then Jeff. It, it doesn't really work that way, but you would say, okay, um, when we're looking for long kickouts, who are the target man? Where's the space? Who's creating the space? All that stuff, right? So that's one part. And then the the offensive uh, play then is the fella that's on the ball as a runner. Then you know you, you you'll understand that connection piece of well he's going to run straight down the middle, so I'm going to get out or run, pull my man away. Or there's a fella on the ball that kick the ball, so I know then I'll stay deep or make me runs close to the goal. All those things. Mm-hmm. So it's very very hard to say from start to finish. You, you could you could say in training like we're gonna we're gonna look to play this ball, uh, long kick out, and because they're gonna find it hard to get men back, we're gonna kick straight straight in, which you'll see a lot. That's there's there's high percentage of conversion efficiency um, if the ball is moved fast by through kicking the ball. The slower you are in the build up, the less chance you have a scoring right. So. Um, but end to end you can't practice for that mm. there's just too there's many variables, variables yeah. there's too many different people that would, that would fit in that what happens if you go well we set out to hit to Howard that worked but then Jack McCaffrey was marked so what do we do then we've worked for Jack getting on that ball so 
the personnel changes and the dynamics change and someone gets injured, someone comes off. So you, you never really set it out as specifically as that, but there is parts of that that you're trying for that then those pieces come together. And Does really one well. other set piece move that you see a lot now and it comes towards the end of games and you see the ball carrier will put his hand up. I remember being at um, a league game a couple of years uh, it was during one of the lockdowns it was Dublin uh, used to do like, yeah they, Paddy yeah. Small did mm. it at the end of that final but I remember being at a game between Armagh and Monaghan and it was only because it was during the lockdown the game was in Enniskillen and we were quite close to the Armagh bench so you could hear a lot of what was going on because the ground was empty and towards the end of that game it was close enough and you heard Kieran McGinney was shouting and I can't remember who the ball carrier was set it up set it up set it up and the hand went up and then with that you could see all the pieces moving into play um, and then obviously somebody makes a run somebody makes a decor and eventually it comes to a shooter and I, I think unless you knew unless you heard the call unless you saw the hand go up it just looks like a normal play but clearly the whole thing has been very orchestrated Yeah, you, you said earlier Connor, about uh, players being tuned in at the throw-in for something like that happening What a, what's the best way to counter something like that happening because players seem to be caught off guard yeah from the throw-in specifically win the throw-in <laughs> <laughs> throw um, possibly um, your wing backs your corner backs tucking in so if you're not being dictated, it's it's it's, it's hard because you're as a cornerback you're thinking I'm not letting him get the first ball, so I'm going to be really tied to him. But if you have um, that risk adverse uh, mindset, that if if the opposition win the throw in, and again you have to kind of preempt this stuff, you have to be mm. talking about this in training. And look, we're not actually set. We're kind of uh, we're at we're at a vulnerable stage here when they win the throw in. So it might be that your six holes. Your two wing backs come in a bit tighter, and then your corner backs come in a bit tighter. So that the worst case scenario is that they have to go out, right? But if they pull you all over the shit, all, mm. all over the shop. But again, um, a kick in kind of will eliminate that. So then, really, what you're saying is, like, for the first for the first play, you've got to do your job defensively. Yeah. Like you've got to win their ball. Yeah. And then after that, we'll see what happens. So preempting it is probably the only thing. Preempting the the what ifs in your head as a defender is the, probably the only thing you can do. Um, if a man runs, tuck in, don't don't let them come down the, the middle of the pitch. If they kick the ball, you have to win it. Mm. Generally, like, do you think Gaelic games, just as a sport, sorry, Gaelic football is just underdeveloped when it comes to the use of tactics and pre-planned plays? I don't, I don't, I don't think it's underdeveloped. I think it's developed. Mm. You know, compared to other sports, it's a sport that has being linear for years get the ball and just kick it straight forward it's now becoming lateral it, it, teams are going backwards and because of that obviously we're seeing that fans are not happy with it but that's the way the game has evolved the, t the players are getting more tactical astute the managers are starting to look at different areas of different sports for example Donegal no doubt Jim McGuinness took that defense, mass defence from the way soccer teams set up um, so Every manager's going to come in and find different new new things. It hasn't really changed tactically too much the last couple of years. Um, nobody's come in and done something so big to go, well, hold on, that's a bit different, you know, um, that I know of, that I've been looking out for. And uh, I'm hoping that, as I said, she's in a, re in a re uh, previous podcast, that I hope somebody does it this year. I hope someone changes something up, like, you know, um, because you'd be naive to think that there's, if you can't go out and, beat a team tactically then you haven't done your work you haven't done your homework on them because it's not that there's not there's not much difference Is there anything you see from your League of Ireland uh, work that you could bring in? Yeah I, I definitely think the way mass defence 
the mass the teams that are set up as a mass defense can be replicated on the shape of the way soccer teams set up in low blocks which basically means they go into uh, they drop in deeper and they, they play a transition game so we can see the the resemblance of that and how to break that down because even with the Dublin team it was a struggle for us for for a while to try break those those type of teams down um but I the evolution of that is much more important um it, it's not just about kind of containing a team I think it's also about bringing bringing a team out creating space to counter in behind or to kick like like mm -hmm. Armagh did and against Dublin the league whether they're aware of that that's what they're setting out to do I don't know so so um little things like that but even this like I would call them like world-class basics like you know like how you pass the ball you know like in, in soccer you pass to a side we don't you just pass we don't even think of that level of detail like because when you pass to a side it opens you up to where you want to go so in Gaelic football it's just hit the man it's instead of there probably is other teams thinking of let's hit the hit the space hit where the you're space. running onto mm. but um there's a huge crossover there, I think uh, from all different sports basketball there's a lot of talk around basketball breaking down the mass defense um I know Connor you're talking about the Tipperary team in terms of keeping width and keeping I think that's something that we might take take for granted in Gaelic football but it's, it's not something that's overly coached is it like so then we don't really do it but I do think um, they're just some of the things that I, I think would, would transfer, uh, if you had a good coach, could transfer those ideologies into Gaelic football. Yeah, yeah like it, it, just a very basic thing that you'll see a lot is even how a team sets up their inside forward line now can tell you a lot about what they're planning to do. So Dublin played Kildare in the Leinster final and Dean Rock, uh, uh, Cormac Coslow and Conor Callan were all standing within about six feet of each other on the edge of the square. And that just meant that there was space out to the left, out in front, and Dublin were obviously kicked an awful lot of ball. And if you compare that maybe to the start of the Kildare-Mayo match last weekend, the two Kildare corner forwards stood on the sidelines, literally on the sidelines. And without, without sort of thinking much about it, you got a sense that they were going to run the ball, that they were going to run the ball, or, or sorry, Mayo's two corner forwards stood right out in the sidelines. And straight away you knew that what they were trying to do was keep the greatest width possible because they knew that there was a fair chance Kildare were going to play with a sweeper after what happened to them against Dublin and that you know Mayo's biggest strength is their running game and if you are going to run the ball down the opposition of defence you want to stretch them as wide as possible so that there are gaps there so like they're even basic things like the Dublin team in 2011 played with a really interesting way of setting up with a with a kind of a 1-1-1 one, one, one full forward line in a line and just meant that all the space is out to the left and out to the right and you see a lot of teams doing that now in kickouts as well you know like it, Teams will if you're trying to defend a kick out, if you ha if there's if you're on on the left side of a fella and the sidelines on the right side, he's got very little space. But whereas if you if you mark straight down the middle, well then there's huge space either way to go. But these are all like it's only in the last ten years that this has actually become apparent in Gaelic football. Pat Gilmore as well would have brought in the sweeper. Yeah, like there was very like if you go back to the, say in 1983 Dublin played with John Caffrey as a corner forward who came out and played as a third midfielder and like that was kind of revolutionary like that was nearly seen as people would have looked like they were, you were nearly cheating by doing something like that so in Gaelic football it's um, it's definitely a new kind of development now and I think the part of the reason that has become so prominent is because if you're trying to set up a team now if you're a, a new coach that takes over an inter-county team probably the area where you can make the quickest gains is tactically 
because you know the days of a manager coming in and drilling the team with fitness and becoming fit, fitter than teams that are better than you that's not going to happen anymore you're only up to base level before you start well, they'll only do that if they don't know the tactics yeah. yeah they just run you because they don't have a clue how to evolve the, the tactics yeah know? and even at that like a lot of the dairy players said that during the first lockdown a lot of what they did was serious endurance and speed work and part of that is that the game that Derry are playing at the moment, it's not just about getting people behind the ball. It's been able to get people behind the ball really quickly and then for those same players to join the attack really quickly. Like it's only 10 years ago since it was really commonplace for the two wing forwards on every team to be taken off after 50 minutes because they were out of gas. But now, and Philly would tell you better than I, my suspicion is that aerobically in terms of energy and everything else, the players can actually, their capacity is much, much higher now than it was before because you can see that there are players that are spending the entire match making 40, 50 yard bursts to join an attack and get back as soon as they're needed. Yeah. Well, they're kind of, yeah, like, I mean, I suppose from the physical demands of the game, there's a lot, there's a couple of examples recently of teams, as we said, chasing the game backwards. Mm. And that's much more taxing than you actually getting into position and then facing them coming on to you. So that's what you would see in soccer a lot, mm. you know, uh, if you're chasing a team in transition, there's a good chance you're not in the right position structurally. So, um, so when you're back in that position and you have numbers, you do less work because you're kind of you're, you're not running like you're you're not working your anaerobic system. Let's say going that way, right? Um, but I do think I'm saying like there's, there hasn't been an, a huge change in tactics over the years, but there has been like but you should know them. That's what I'm trying to make the point. Yeah. They're obvious. The goalkeeper coming up has been one. Mm -hmm. The zonal, um, the zonal structure on the opposition kickout that's been one, and that's being based off formations. So do you have three inside? Do you have four outside? Do you have the keeper coming up making a four and breaking all of those things down? So formations, I think, is as you said, the, the corner back mm. coming out, the corner forward coming out as a midfielder. I think there's going to be a lot more of that involvement. And again, all of these things in the evolution of Gaelic football were there. Yeah. Back in the 80s, someone could have played a keeper coming out, mm. but you just didn't have the imagination to do it, right? So all the things that you see now, the zonal kickouts, uh, the mass defences, they're all there. They're all there in the world, in the universe. Just need somebody to think of it. Just need someone to be exposed by maybe other sports. Go, that might work across here. So it's all there. The game will keep, uh, uh, the evolution of the game will keep mm -hmm. changing tactically. Um, it's just having the bright people that are very innovative and can cross those paths. The, the other thing that happens a lot in Gaelic football, m more than any sport I can think of, is that when a team is successful playing a, a style that's very apparent, there's a huge element of copycat. Like if you go back to Kieran Donaghy going to full forward that year from midfield, mm. Every team in the country was doing, doing it. Now, yeah, well, yeah. yeah, yeah. In, <laughs> in twenty twelve, after Cluxon kicked the winner, yeah, goalkeepers coming up and ever yeah. and, and has never thought about that before. They're all copying me as a cornerback <laughs> now attacking. But the same thing, as if I ever said. <laughs> but, the same, but the same thing is happening. Or what would be interesting now is because there is an interesting side of the draw in the football championship this year, mm. and it's not, it's not against the bounds of probability that one of Derry or Amrau will end up in an all Ireland final. Mm. And they're two teams that are playing the game in two very, very different ways. Um, and if Derry were to make an all Ireland final, coming from the base that they were, can you imagine what the effect will have on, say, the, five, yeah. the yeah. five or six new inter-county managers that are there next year or the following year? Because if you take that, I would imagine, 
it's easier to try and set your team up that way or certainly the basic part of that than what Armagh trying to do with Kieran McGinley. Kieran McGinley's there eight years. Yeah. Do you know, and like they're only getting to a stage where I remember seeing the game last year against Monaghan in the championship and Armagh had this lovely way of playing where you might have a corner back, you give the ball off and then he'd make a run and he'd stand in a corner forward and there was a huge amount of fluidity between the positions. But they didn't really have it mastered because there's an awful lot of passing men on and Monon waltzed through them for about three of those goals. So, like, the way Armagh are playing, it is very good to watch, but I'd imagine that the amount of preparation and practice that goes into it is an awful lot higher than having maybe a very crude version of the other style. Yeah, I mean, we've clearly seen yeah. as well, like, the scope here of, you know, the innovation and tactics and all the rest. And Philly, you know, you're go back to your specialist topic again mm. about... Uh, <laughs> Uh, TV pundits and all the oh, rest. Yeah. Do you think, you know, what's what's your issue? Like, so you're giving us insight here into this. You know, do you want them to explain what's going on rather than, you know, how the game is leaving them feel? Yes, I would love to hear something that would make me think outside the box and think, why that? Why has that happened? Oh, that's a good way of thinking. Hold on, that's... It doesn't... Like, this is just my personal opinion. Yeah. I'd like to be stimulated by punditry and understand because they're experts right and maybe because I played only recently I'm probably like because I've just played that game and probably the level of my knowledge is quite high in, in these areas so I'm probably not being stimulated are for that reason are you audition here now for TR, yeah. <laughs> if, if I keep giving out about them I won't get on but look I think um, the, yeah I'd love I'd love like I mean there is a stark difference between the punditry in let's say Sky Sports and RTE uh, I won't say which is better which is good or whatever I, I, I think but, we know but, <laughs> but I do think um, you you can sit back and you can go well what, if you observed why am I actually interested in listening to that over that is because the level of detail in one or the other so you can discover which one I'm talking about but I just think um, what's your objective what are you there to do the viewers there to listen to you as an expert to give your 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 um your opinion on what you've seen in the game and how things happened and why they did these certain things and not just this fella got a box let's highlight that or here's a black card let's talk about that or you know just the obvious things I want I want oh, give me something different like but it, there's also the paralysis analysis thing Connor I mean we don't do we want it to be too no, much about I, tactics no, and... no I I agree I don't think I think very in depth. It depends. Like very in-depth tactical analysis, I don't think really works for media because um, it's quite dense. You know, like it definitely doesn't work in printed media. So, the, say the kill the Kildare Mayo game, right? At the start of the second half, like the first half was very very poor. There were a lot of mistakes, um, but in the second half, Mayo changed their tactics completely. They pressed up everywhere, and Kildare made more mistakes. But the reason they made more mistakes is every time they turned around. Like like Mayo would have seven or eight players in in that forty five. So it's like that was a big changing point in that match um, and I think there are enough say even the bluntest tactical things that go in a match there's enough of them I think to get through to just explain the very basics as to what's going on in the pitch like how long is half time 15 minutes how many ads do you have do you know what I mean like I don't think there's enough time there to bemoan the standard of the game like the when you're watching on television, you don't get a full sense of what's going on in the pitch because you're only ever watching the ball carrier. And um, ideally, I'd agree with Philly. Like I'd like the, the the people there to say, well, actually, what's going on off the ball is this. And the reason that that play broke down isn't because this fella is not good technically. It's because, you know, the target that he was supposed to aim at was blocked up or whatever it is. 
So I think there, there, there's definitely a balance between being too microscopic and dense with your analysis while also being able to be entertaining. I think that's kind of the, the what you're trying to strike. But like a lot of people, you know, a lot of people look for like good analysis, I think, is in the eye beholder too. Yeah, you know, like yeah. I, like some people. I'm not going to keep everybody no, on no, punditry, no. and I don't think all pundits are need work on these yeah. areas. But I do think the consensus I would gather up from what I'm listening to is that <clears throat> you can become a think tank. You know, yeah. if you're in the, around the same people all the time, and you're probably being um, influenced to go this direction. I think so a bit of a group thing, but like cause they're in such a powerful position. Do you feel their negativity just impacts on you know? People watching on TV. Oh, I texted Connor last week. I said they must be they must be listening to our reading of columns because <laughs> it's changing a little bit. Like you know, um, I, I I know Rook said at halftime. He says, "What am I going to talk about now? <laughs> I can't give out. It was a good game, yeah, a good oh, first half." Great. Like, yeah, yeah. so yeah, like I, I <clears throat> I'm not sure. I, I just think um, it's 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 something that has been built over a couple of years now, where <clears throat> it's this is what we focus on, and this is what we think our audience wants. And if that's what they they think that works, well, then who am I to argue with that? If that's what the numbers are showing, let's focus on more the the events that um, that are, are not around, kind of looking at the insight of the game and, and the tactics and, and all you, that side. Do, of it. do we want to go down the route, let's say, of American football, where it's all you know, it's really heavy on the tactics, and therefore the fans are big into it then as well? Yeah, I think Gaelic football is caught in the middle a little bit, like because the sport I'm working in in soccer is uh, is quite tactical. Um, and then you have American football, which is like for me over tactics. Yeah. Like it's it's it allows the sport allows it to be that tactical, and maybe the audience wants that as well. And maybe that's being inbred in in the way it's developed through from a very young age to when when you get to a professional level. Uh, Gaelic football, I think, can evolve in a good way. Um, but we're talking about here: how do we get? How do we show the brilliance of this game? As much as the example we have of Horland. You know, the narrative has to be spinned better because that's the thing that we can control. We can't control the managers. We can't control. We can't think we can in terms of changing rules, but we can't. We need to be able to see. Well, okay, well, if we change the cultural environment and the, the the propaganda around the sport by having the right brains to give the best insight, well, then that will give a, a better spin off because everything is every everything about football now is negative. Like, for example, what's the most recent one? Uh, <clears throat> it's wrong to have the the uh, the games in Crow Park now. There's merit to it. There's, there's there, reason. Yeah, there is there's, there, yeah. you know, uh, I can understand the frustration of the teams down the country, and I could be very biased to say no. Travel up, like I'm from Dublin, like so. It's gonna be. It's it's not gonna, never gonna work that that message. But I agree with the, the financial side of things, and mm. um, you look at the the hurling games being outside the, the headquarters and the the the, the audiences they're, they're gathering up and stuff like that. So, I do think. And look at all the stakeholders that create because it's just it's a shame. Yeah. It's such a brilliant yeah, sport. I don't think the GA sells itself well enough. Like, like we're giving out like a lot of people are giving out about say the championship is finishing earlier in the year and they're missing out on, on GA is missing out on promotional. But GA does very little to promote the championship when it's yeah. on anyway. Like mm. if you compare it to other sports, and I know that there's a rights package that's up for for um, negotiation at the moment, and maybe that's what's going on. But mm. like. When the Sunday game finishes on a Sunday night, that is the end of any 
watching or viewing or original content if you want to call it that in media speak uh, of stuff until the first match is on the television the following Saturday we should be spending the week watching clips like whether that's true I don't know what way the GA could do it like increase their capacity sports. Yeah, yeah, but yeah but like yeah the, like it, it, it. it shouldn't even be in a further highlight like even think about it I don't want to get into a debate in the Sunday game because the problem with the Sunday game is that everybody in the country wants the Sunday game to be the thing that they want wants it to be mm. yeah and when you think about it right say compared to match of the day match of the day cover 10 Premier League games a week mm-hmm. the Sunday game has to cover football hurling ladies football camogie uh, but, Tommy Murphy like all the different levels and grades and all that stuff. but like the, the, what the GA should be doing they should have proper highlights packages that come out on their own socials that people watch all week. Like think of the, yeah, the, the number, the amazing scores, the goals, all the, even the interesting tactic analysis. Even if that means you have to have an in-house kind of a a, a media channel or whatever it is. Carter, how long have we been talking about stuff like this? But this is exactly what years. you need because if you, yeah. if you sign over your rights package to say RTE and for whatever reason the people that they have are, are, are the, the tone of the analysis is negative. That's the only analysis. That's how mm. everybody in the country consumes mm. their yeah. Gaelic football. So I think if the GA, because there's, there's the Gaelic football is far better than it's portrayed. You know, like even the game that I was at last Saturday, Kildare Mayo, the standard in the first half of execution and some of the decision making was rubbish, but it made it brilliant. Yeah. Like yeah. like like Mayo, whatever anybody says about them, they 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 bring the madness out of themselves, and they're a very compelling team to watch because you could watch, say, a Dublin, and if Dublin aren't on form you think, well, Jesus, you know, Dublin are always on form, whereas Mayo work off a different kind of an energy. But once that match was over and the match reports were filed and the Sunday game was over, there was no kind of further, deeper analysis of the whole thing from a point of view of showing all the clips. Um, and it's just that the GA are leaving itself open to RTE or whoever else dictating public opinion yeah. on the championship, on those sports, by not actually taking more of control in, in of their own right and selling it the way they want to sell it. Yes, I, I think it's a like it, it's a no brainer for me. Like if I wanted to go and you know um, listen to something around soccer right now, I just go on to Sky Sports now and I'll, Sky Sports News. I click it on, and there's somebody there speaking about soccer for the whole day. Now I don't think you'd be able to do that with GA, but <clears throat> like, um, did you listen to Roy Keane the whole day? No, <laughs> but you also have what is a. Soccer Saturday? Yeah, Soccer Saturday. Soccer Saturday. Soccer AM, sorry. Soccer AM. Like, why don't we have a show like yeah. that? But like, even like, I don't but know. But does social media not cover it in some ways, like the clips and all the rest? But not really. Like, like, yeah. like, not officially. Like, I don't know really what TikTok is, for instance, right? Because it's not my generation thing. But there's loads of people who do mm. and there's loads of people who run it all the time and I have no idea what the GA's presence on that but I imagine it's not particularly considerable. I don't think it's, I think it's different though. Like, to, like, like you, you have those social media channels to f- push it into this yeah. platform and that platform then should be constant like so why aren't we like it's it's not as if that the um if Dublin play uh, this Saturday that they're not doing anything you know why are we let's talk about them as the weeks go on or let's all the other teams let's talk about the club scene let's you know like there has to be something live that 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 brings the sport to a new level like yeah, like even I just has to, like, as a journalist, and he put together a brilliant clip during the week. A fellow called Morris Brosnan, who works for the 42.e, and he, he put together a clip of four points that Lee Keegan had scored for Mayo. And in all of those games, they were behind, and they were all different kicks. I think two were his right, two were his left. One was at the outside, one was at the inside of his boot. But, like, 
that's not a thing. Like that's a thing that maybe you know if the Mayo County Board had. Do you know what I mean? Or mm. if that came from yeah. Crow Park, that's the kind of way of packaging it that I think is very very appealing. You know, um, and I just don't think that there's enough of it. I suppose is probably the. That's why all them show all those, all those platforms are doing well. Yeah, forty two and the GA or all that sort of stuff. There's a few of them like they're yeah. doing well because there's there's a gap. Mm. There's a massive gap where there could be somebody a broadcaster coming in and going, "This is the GA channel," you know. We'll we'll we'll, we'll talk about and obviously there's a huge amount of maybe finances behind that that's needed, but it's needed. Yeah, and um, so that's just to, before we wrap. So like that other side of the draw away from Kerry Dublin. I mean, you know, could Armagh be seen kind of as the the savior of football in some ways with their positive style? You know, are they the team we want to see in a final? Oh, I'd be worried about the noise around Armagh now. I thought you were going to say the noise here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the music. I'd be worried about um, the negative noise getting into the Armagh camp now that they could possibly be semi final or final, mm. and everybody writing off Galway. I really do, like, because Galway are not that bad. Like, yeah. to be writing them off, like, they, it's one in in your mindset. You're Galway, you're Galway. Yeah, and you're Galway nicely set for this, like, because everyone's yeah. Like, like, this is only their first year of doing something. We've been kind of floating up and down for the last couple of years here, and we've got. I, don't know, I know they've brought in certain people in the back room that I think will steady this. Sh- steady ship is probably a bad thing, but we'll level it out a little bit in terms of where I've thought they would have needed. Um. But I think that's going to be a good game. I'm not saying Armagh won't win, but I'm just saying I think a lot of teams are writing Galway off. So the information Armagh will be, the players will be being fed with now is you could be playing the semi final before you're even playing it. Yeah, oh, well, absolutely cannot wait for those uh, All Ireland quarterfinals coming up. Well, that's it for this week's Throne, Billy McMahon. Don't forget to join Will and Michael on Monday show as they look back on all the action from the weekend. You can listen, rate, and follow on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. We'll be back again next week for more talking points on the championship before the All Ireland football quarterfinals. Bye for now. This is an Irish independent podcast.